Welcome to the Circuit of Success Podcast. The Circuit of Success Podcast. With your host, Brett. Brett. Brett Gilliland. Brett Gilliland, Visionary Wealth Advisory. Brett Gilliland. The Circuit of Success Podcast. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland. Today, I've got my buddy, Brad Thompson. What's up, Brad? How Brett, you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I was getting bored at the house. I'm glad somebody <laughs> called finally. Well, yeah. I mean, you're doing radio now what? Part-time? Is that right? Yeah, filling in a little bit. It's It's been a change for me. It's been, as you know, I was doing drive-time radio uh, on 101 ESPN on the fast lane for like last 10 years. This past year, doing more baseball games uh, with the Cardinals, which I had a blast doing. Season didn't go exactly mm-hmm. as planned, but I had a lot of fun doing the games. I'm sure we'll get into that. But uh, uh, I scaled back my work on that side, so now I'm not doing that every day, and I'm I'm reintroducing myself to the family in the off season. <laughs> my dog's not barking at me now, so that's good. Uh, but it's guy? been a change. Yeah, yeah. It's been a big change. It is a big change, man. Well, you are a blast, as I've told you a million times, to watch on uh, the television. I think you do a great job with the games. And even despite the season we had, it was uh, that's got to be tough, which I'm going to ask that later. But uh, for those that don't know you, 2006 World Series champ, ESPN Radio, as you mentioned, announcer for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, just an all-around great guy, but just give us a little bit of lay of the background of people that, again, that maybe not know who you are. What's made you the man you are today? Yeah, well, look, I I, I never expected or intended to be where I am right now uh, in O'Fallon, Illinois, live here yeah. uh, it, in the media at all. That was never a thought. I just I was a kid who grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, I just love playing baseball. And uh, it's you generally hear – uh, people's story of how they made it to the big leagues. And it's oftentimes it's the same story. It's like, oh, he's the best player on this team, the best player on this mm-hmm. high school team, two-way player, hit home runs, play <laughs> shortstop. That is not my story, like, at all. Uh, I don't think I was ever the best player on any team that I played on. And I'm not talking about any big league teams, like Albert Pujols and all right. these guys running around. I'm talking about, like, Timmy that picks his boogers. <laughs> Wasn't even the best player on, on that team growing up but I always loved it and I always uh, worked hard and I was just always there like you know and I think that's one of the the biggest things whenever I have an opportunity to talk to kids you don't have to be the best player on your team you don't have to have the best skill set you have to care you have to want to get better and you have to work and if you do those things opportunities might come and that was the case for me out of high school I got an opportunity right before school was about to start to go to a smaller junior college in Utah uh, at the time, Dixie State College, uh, now Utah Tech, D1 school now, but a oh, junior wow. college back in the day. And uh, snuck on there, did well. Um, after my second year there, ended up getting drafted by the Cardinals, and it was just a, kind of a, a whirlwind. Spent two years in the minor leagues, and a month into my third year, a guy called up to the big leagues and Man. made a career out of it. And it wasn't the easiest. I, I'm well-traveled, Brett. You know that. <laughs> I know I know the way from St. Louis to Memphis really right, well, right. big leagues to AAA. Uh, the ups and downs have been incredibly blessed, though, to be able to to play the game that I love and do it as a living and now jump into this, which, again, was an unexpected yeah. one. I think I owe you a couple lunches still from little kids baseball. Can we talk about that on a podcast? Of course. No, I don't know. Yes. We didn't do that. We did not <laughs> bet on lunch and his kids. We just team. had webs my kids team all the time. And we had hunches of who was gonna well, I had a hunch. You, had you, a hunch. you were yeah. you were betting with your heart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like he didn't even have a chance. But hey, we uh we tried to make it happen. So I was gonna ask you too, have you uh have you seen Tiger Woods lately? No, have you? No. Just in spring training. Just in spring training. When you and training. I were creeping around his restaurant. Damn it. So what's that private party out there? <laughs> Looks like an awful lot of security for just a normal private <laughs> right. party, doesn't it? You and I are peeking. 
Yeah. Tiger was there. Tiger was there. We were in the same restaurant. We're having dinner, Brad and I. And uh, we're like, gosh, that's a lot of people. I think I even tried to go to the restroom and turn right. And sure, you got to go this way. Yeah, exactly. And then we found out, I think, wasn't it you or me? Somebody got a text that Tiger Woods, they didn't know we were there at the restaurant. And they're like, Tiger Woods is at his restaurant in Jupiter. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap, we missed him. Yeah, it had his like daughter's soccer party yeah. or something. Either way, I think that we could say we had uh, dinner with Tiger. We had dinner with Tiger. Sure did. Yeah. They were signing their, their giveaway. You know, my kids, they give away like, you know, Sour Patch Kids. I think Tiger's end of the year party, they had signed soccer balls from Tiger Woods. Oh, that's pretty good. And a whole new bag of clubs. And a whole new bag of clubs. Yeah. Well, good for them. So um, let's talk about post-baseball career, man. So, um, and, you, and you already mentioned this, but what, what did you think you were going to be doing versus what you're doing now? Yeah, so before I ended up signing with the Cardinals, I had signed to, after junior college, I was going to go back to Las Vegas and go to UNLV. I had signed to play uh, okay. there for the, for the Rebels. And my goal was to go into uh, criminal justice. I wanted to be an attorney is, is kind of the direction that yeah. I thought I was heading and obviously did not go that route. But that was like the thought that I was going to yeah. go get into criminal justice. I, I thought I wanted to go the route of attorney um, and uh, that was going to be the path. Now, the path took me through baseball and it was a tough decision to make at sure. the time, too, because I had uh, the chance to get, have my school paid for potentially get drafted higher maybe the next year make make yeah. maybe a little bit more money out of the draft which i didn't make a lot of money um but i also thought what what if i never get this chance again what if yeah. i never have an opportunity to say that i played professional baseball i can always go back to school yep. but i can't always get this chance again so ultimately i landed on that decision and so so grateful that i did but yeah, never thought that the media side was going to be a thing. And honestly, it, was, it wasn't even on the radar. I wasn't sure, Brett, what direction I was going to go. I knew I was nearing the end of my baseball career. I was playing independent ball. For those that don't know, independent baseball is it's still professional baseball. You get paid, not a lot. You get paid nonetheless, but it's just not affiliated with one of the major league teams. I was playing in uh, the Atlantic League, uh, which baseball fans will know what the Atlantic League is. Mm -hmm. It's also been a league that's kind of broken some of these major league baseball new rules before baseball breaks yeah, them in. Yeah. Um, but a lot of former big leaguers, good baseball league. But I was playing there and I just kind of I knew that I was close. Like, yeah. I Velocity wasn't coming back. I had Tommy John surgery in 2010. And for those that know me well, velocity was never my thing anyhow. <laughs> so losing a tick off the radar gun uh, was not a big thing. But I got a phone call in the offseason. And this was prior to my final year of playing. And it was from the program director at 101 ESPN. I'm sure I've told you this story in the yeah. past. But he called me and said, hey, I got your number from Chris Duncan. And Cardinal fans remember Chris Duncan, God, big time power here. Yeah, man, one of my best friends ever, unfortunately, passed away, brain cancer. Uh, and this was in the beginning of it. Dunk was was had to leave for some medical, his you know, medical issues. And program director called, said, Dunk passed along your number. Uh, he said he thought you would be good at this. Could you fill in on a Monday? I said, my wife probably wants me out of the house right now. <laughs> sure. uh, it's the off season. You pay me a couple yeah, bucks? I'm sure. going to sit I'm around. In. I'm going to sit around and watch football all weekend. Anyhow, that's probably what you're going to talk about come Monday. So I did. And I took over the weekend. It was like copious notes, just like you. You're a note taker, right? I'm, I'm breaking down all these college games, all these NFL games. I come in, I get this stack of notes ready to go. I didn't know what to expect. I never grew up. I didn't listen to sports talk radio. I didn't know yeah. how big of a thing that was. And like that actually has been really eye opening to me over the years of the connection you can have with the fan base actually doing that. But I, I never had that. So one segment in, I get called out into the hallway 
And I said, oh, I must have said a magic word. Yeah. I said one of the things that <laughs> you said... can't say here. And I, I said, did, did that happen? He's like, no, no. He's like, you're really good. Would you mind staying the rest of the week? I said, yeah, I would love yeah. to stay the rest of the week. And that rest of the week turned into the rest of the off season, which actually turned into before I was going to play and what what was going to be my final you know, final year. Didn't know it at the time, yeah. um, but they, they offered me a full time position at that time uh, on a morning show. I said, man, I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. I can't do it. Like I need to know that baseball's done because yeah, the last more thing, left in the tank, right? The, the yeah. last thing that I wanted was to be sitting there and doing a job that I like, but wondering what could that have been like? Yeah. Had I gone back, maybe I found something or maybe magically yeah. the arm reappeared. Now, fortunately, the arm didn't reappear, Brett. <laughs> None of that stuff happened, but I didn't want that thought. I didn't want that yeah. doubt that uh, that I did the wrong thing. So went back and played and after a few months in, I just knew the timing wasn't right. My wife, Andrea, she was pregnant with our, our first, uh, with, with our first, uh, he was born in May. I came home for a week and I was like, man, I, I'm, this isn't the place for me. I got, I've got to be done. I need to go home. I need to be with my family and I need to figure out what is next. So I made the phone call, uh, back to, uh, 101 ESPN. I say, Hey, any chance you guys still got that job sitting there? I said, we've been keeping a spot open for you. It ended wow. up being in the afternoon show at the time with Randy Carricker and DeMarco Farr. I said, yeah. if you're ready to come back, we're ready to have you. I said, well. And it was just the two of them at the time? Yeah. Maybe? Okay. Yep. And because it was the three, Chris Duncan was the third oh, on, yeah. on that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. And they, they had left that one open. And uh, fortunately, I was able to slide into that, that spot and learn so much from them. Randy Carricker, one of my biggest mentors. And I love the way that DeMarco Farr, who was, you know, he's now in L.A., followed yeah. the Rams out yeah. there. I love the way that he went about it, the energy and the excitement that he had and just kind of feeding off those guys and learning along the way and trying not to say any of those magic words to get right. me fired. Exactly. And 10 years later, you know, here we are. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I, I think, you know, it's crazy when you think about your career path, what you thought was going to happen. I think yeah. so many times, you know, we do planning for a living, right? And it's like, I play in these things, but you know, there's other, sometimes other plans and you just don't know what they are. And I think that's when you just got to have trust and you got to have faith and you got to do great work and show up every day. And cause I'm sure there was days I've talked to other players that when you, when you retire and that thing you love is gone and yeah. arguably gone forever, right? That that's probably pretty emotional. And so to find that next gear, what, what was that process like for you? to find out and obviously you landed into that, but was there that emotional thing where you had to like think and journal and dream and do whatever? Oh, you're huge. Um, it was, I still remember very vividly the drive home. So middle of the season still. And I had, uh, I had given my, uh, my manager the heads up, just told him, I said, Hey, I'll stay here as long as you need to find a replacement for me, but I gotta go. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm ready to go home. He tried to talk me into being the pitching coach. I said, I can't, I can't. I got to. And what town was that again? Uh, this is in Somerset, New Jersey. Okay. So it said, you know, be on the staff. And Andrea was here. Uh, she was here. Yeah. yeah. She was here. Newborn son is here. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was it was flattering that they wanted to keep me around and yeah. wanted me to be around the team. And maybe that would have started a new passion. Maybe that sure. would have been coaching and going from there. But uh, my heart was here, right? I had, I had to go home. But I remember the drive. It was so bad. I'm calling everybody, calling family, calling like my wife. Like, yeah. that's it. They said yeah. last road trip. So it's uh, it's emotional, right? Yeah. When you're when you're going through it, 
But you also know, like, you know, when something's over, yeah. you know, when it's time to move on. And that's where we were at. We were at that uh, that point. So when it comes to like finding a passion for a new thing, whatever I do, I try to like jump into. I yeah. try to just the, the energy, the enthusiasm with it, whether it's it's doing radio, it's doing a, an interview, it's hanging out with the family, like try to jump in. There are days where maybe you don't feel like that, mm -hmm. but it's amazing if you come in with that attitude, as you very well know, that's how your day starts yeah. going right so um i kind of poured into it and it started when i got that phone call like i said i've taken the notes and i'm saying if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do it i'm not just gonna show up and i've seen this a lot now especially being in the business you see a lot of former athletes show up and say i played i got this yeah and then you're you're talking to them for a little bit or they're speaking and it's like he doesn't he doesn't have yeah. this it, like it's it's very obvious that it's, it's not an easy thing to do. I think a lot of people at home are, are saying, well, oh, it's easy. I watch sports. It's easy to talk about sure. sports. Sometimes, sometimes it is. Other times uh, it takes it takes different little avenues or or nuances to, to get through it. So but it's also like you got to you got to know, you know, when to talk. You got to know when your voice goes up. Down, right. There's more to it than just, oh, I know about. Yes. All this stuff well, about and that's game. something that you learn as you go too. Yeah. And that is something that I've had to learn a lot more with the TV side of things as I've been doing those ball games for the last couple of years is the the picture is there on the screen. So I can't be talking about something that maybe even mm. I like I care about it a lot, whatever. Yeah. I've got a good story. If they're showing on the screen, it's Miles Michaelis yeah. or it's whoever, that's who we're talking about. Or yeah. that, like that's what the story is at the time. You have to know when to get in, when to get out, but it's reps. Yeah. And it's caring about that. And it's realizing when you mess something up. Cause I, in my line of work, I know when I mess something <laughs> up, it's very evident. Like usually there's a producer in here, you're saying, Don't, what was that? Don't do it. Nothing. But you, you care enough to fix it. And just going back to the jumping into a new thing, this is another thing I like to tell kids when I get an opportunity or adults. It's a good thing to remember. You never know when an opportunity is going to come your way. Yeah. You never know. Nope. You know when one passes you, though. Like, you mm -hmm. know when something just Solid. walks out the door and says, I, I should have done that. So I want to be ready for that. I want to be yeah. ready for whatever that next opportunity is. Yeah, and I, I always talk to you about the old paralysis by analysis, right? You could have that opportunity, but so many people will go back and they got to think and think and think and then what happens is they think themselves out of it right yeah. this is a great idea because of a b and c but then that negative thought up here in our mind says well i can't do it because i'm this and i'm that and i think so many times what i try to help people with is just just take action that's yeah. one of the circuits on the circuit of success take action doesn't mean you have the whole thing figured out but if you trust yourself again i've said it a million times you show up to work every day Good things are probably going to happen. For sure. Right? Uh, so liken this to baseball, okay? Because this happens a lot nowadays, paralysis by analysis. Yeah. We have all of this data. We have all of these analytics. Yeah. One of my, one of the most important things, I believe, for any athlete is trust your gut. Like, yeah. trust you. Believe in your stuff. I don't care uh, if this guy can't hit this or can't do that. What do you do well? Yeah. Like, what is your strength? And I think that's one of the biggest things in, in any walk of life. Like, wh what is your strength? Do you trust in what you're doing? If you mm -hmm. trust in what you're doing, good things are going to happen. Yep. It might not be the direct route that you're expecting it to happen. It might not be just A to B very easy, but you'll get there at some yeah. point if you believe in what you're doing. That's right. Yeah, 100%. I, I think about I, I my first job out of college. I was there for about uh, six weeks. I don't think I've ever told this on the podcast, but um, I was there for six weeks. I was in the financial industry. It's a different firm. And I got a call on a Tuesday night that the guy that I was supposed to have lunch with the next day, my mentor, 
who I'd never met. Yeah. Tomorrow was the big day, right? Here I am, 22 years old. We're living in this tiny condo in St. Louis. My wife's got an internship at Barnes. And we had one car, and I'm going to go this lunch. I get the call on Tuesday. He actually um, died by suicide. Oh, my God. And uh, jumped off a building, actually. And and so here I am, this 22-year-old kid, and I'm getting ready to go start literally to knock on doors and try to build a business. And, yeah. You know, I've got acne. I'm like, I look like I'm 12. You know, I'm like, hey, give me your money. Uh, and so I said, I'm never going to be in financial planning. I'm never going to do investments. That's just not my deal. Yeah. I actually went to Bush Stadium. I was going to be the next, uh, you know, now John Mazalock at the time, Mark Lamping. That's what I thought I was going to okay. do. I applied for a job. They said, we don't have any jobs, but do you know how to bartend? I said, yeah, I know how to bartend. They said, we need a bartender for the game tonight. So if the old Bush that you played in, right, they uh -huh. had, remember the uh, left, left field, they had the stadium yeah. club? Yeah, yeah. I was a bartender in there. Long story short, I got another call from a company. They said, come in. Let's do an interview. I said, look, I'll come in for the practice. I was very upfront. Okay. Well, I spent 12 and a half years there, now 10 years of visionary, and I've done nothing but investments. That's good practice. Right? It's good practice. But the point to that is, what what is the point of that story, right, Brett? But I think the point is, is you never know, because what you said, you never know where it's going to go. Yeah. And it's how you take it, and then you take it to the next level by what you put into it. Well, and like to your earlier point, and tragic event obviously with, with yeah. your mentor but that life is not your life you know like it, it, there are different things weighing on him than weigh on you it's not necessarily the industry that you're in i don't care if you you could be in the happiest industry in the world yeah. or the saddest industry in the world you could be in the happy industry and be a sad person you could be yeah. in a sad industry and be a happy person it's your mindset it's the way that, that you go about it and you just got to be ready for when yeah. that one pops up. But that is a, like I'm thinking about the conversation that you had. It was Mark Lamping at the time. Yeah. So and who runs the Jaguars now. Right. Yeah. So oh, I, I, that's right. I, I I'm just picturing it's like, yeah, I'm interested in this job. No, but bartending. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> like what, what a drastic. Well, what just like, happened? Let's see if this kid will do that. Yeah. He will. Yeah. But th that's one of the things, too, like in and this is a big thing in the radio industry. If someone asks you, hey, can you do X, Y, or Z? Yeah. yeah. Yes, I can. I can do that. And you can dig in, you figure it out. It, can you interview so-and-so? You yeah. might be a young producer. Yeah, I can do that. That's a chance. Yeah. Like that is an opportunity. You might be scared to death. Yep. Nobody knows what you're feeling. Yeah. Nobody knows what you're thinking as you're going through it. Take the opportunity. The yeah. answer is yes. Can you do it? Yes, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, Danny Mack said in this podcast, he said he started with, he was running tapes or whatever they called it back uh -huh. then, right? He's like, literally, they'd be on a cart. I'd run them from one room to the other so the guys could talk about on the air. And yes. Look at, look He's the cutting career. up film. That was a yeah. thing back then. You yeah. actually had to cut up tape. Yeah. and Yeah, it's crazy. So um, how, how did you, how do, how do you draw up on your playing career now being an announcer? Do you think back to your playing days? Like, does that play a role in the in the booth? Yeah, it does. I, I think back to more so like than referencing my career, which is lackluster. Like, I'm actually going to get World back Series champ. Darn right. I'm going to have you say that a few more times <laughs> as we go through this. No, more so I think about, first of all, I think about emotions. I think about the emotions of what a player is going through at a given time. Because it is very easy to sit where we sit. You're high up and you're, you're watching on a screen. You see the field in front of you. Yeah. Game looks easy. Like it looks really yeah. easy when you're watching at home and you're having a couple of cold beers. Like, why didn't he hit why, that ball yeah. down the middle? Then I realized I've, I've stood in that batter's box. I've yeah. been on that mound. I've done it during the regular season. I've done it in the postseason. I've done it in the World Series. It is a different perspective when you're actually going through it and things aren't that easy. So that's one of the things that I really try to remember when I'm in the booth and I'm doing games. It's not that easy. Mm -mm. So uh, it, 
I'm not going to also lie to somebody when you're watching the game. I'm not going to spit on you yeah. and tell you it's raining. Right. When something is bad, it's bad. But I'll frame it in a way where, hey, nine times out of ten, he's going to make that play. Yeah. Because I believe that. Yeah. You know, I, be I believe that the, the good things are going to outweigh the bad things. You have to mention the bad things. Right. Talked about the bad season that the Cardinals had. 20 games under 500. It's hard to sugarcoat that, yeah. right? But you also have to believe in the fact that you didn't have a losing season uh, since 07 before yeah. that. We were very spoiled. Yeah, and you know that good things are going to be on the horizon also. But yeah, I, I always go back to being in those shoes, what it's like. And then the other thing that I lean on a lot is the preparation. I know what the preparation was like as a player. I know how I would dig in and learn about these hitters. Now, there's far more information now than there was when I was playing. Yep. And maybe too much information for some guys. I think that's one of the biggest challenges how to spoon feed some of yep. these players the information that they need without giving them the quote unquote analytics because some guys can't really handle the numbers of it but need the information but I, I think about that and a lot of times maybe you'll hear me during a broadcast thinking ahead say hey uh, if if in this spot I would go with this slider down the way right here well I've scouted him just like the pitcher scouted him I scout the other team's tendencies okay. and all that stuff so ahead of time I, I feel like I know what direction they should be going in now, that so are you watching film? Right. Is that, I mean, yeah, yeah. I watch video breakdowns, scouting reports, all that fun stuff wow. before games. I nerd out with it now, Brad. Like this is <laughs> I, what you do in your hotel room. I on do. The road, more, right? I do. Like, yeah. I sit there on the road and I'm like, digging into video and watching, yeah. you know, hitters against left. Do you have like the iPad? And, the same. The players are watching the same thing. I don't get their good okay. proprietary information. I have yeah. to dig in and find my yeah. own. I okay. should really call yeah. in some favors and get and that good just stuff. Help the guy out. Yeah, just helping the broadcast. Instead of the, all the search engine yeah. stuff. But no, it, it really is. It's fun it, and it's it's like anything else. I I, I dig in and do this thing because I want to inform the viewer yep. and I want to be right. Like there's a pride in, yeah. I'm not just saying stuff to say stuff, but there's also the humbling nature of baseball's ever changing. Yeah. And somebody's thought process is totally different. I might know from my, and this goes back to trusting yourself. I might know from my research that I did in my hotel room in Milwaukee, mm -hmm. uh, sitting there that O2, a slider down and away, that is the best pitch for Willie Adamas. He'll miss it by a mile. I don't know what the guy on the mound feels when he grips his slider. Yeah. There are times where a pitch in your hand feels amazing. Yeah. There are times where even if you know in your head it's the right pitch, you grip the baseball, you said, this isn't it. And then you switch it to another grip and you say, this is the pitch I want, yeah. let's go with this one. So like that's where like the human element really plays in the game yeah. of baseball, and I right. love that. Well, and, and also, you don't know what he did last night. You don't know if he got in an argument with his spouse, you know, yeah. three hours before the game, right? There's so much emotion in it. So. For you, how much of it playing your playing days, how much of it was physical versus, you know, emotional or psychological? I, th I think it's a good balance. The, the physical part of it during the season, at least for me, was maintenance. That was you, you maintain the arm care. You maintain yeah. all of the stuff that you worked hard in the winter to grow. Like that was the growing part of it. But playing a big league season, 162 games in 180 something days, like it's a lot. Yeah. It is a, a rigorous grind. thing. So that's where the mental part of it comes in. And I did this at mainly as a bullpen guy. I started a bit in my career too, yeah. but mainly as a bullpen guy. Everyday players that have to answer the bell every day, that's a different animal. You go 0 for 4 like three days in a row yep. and still being able to put in the work. And that's where having a routine, and, and Brett, I know you're huge on routine and, and just having something that you could rely on day in and day out. Mm -hmm. To me, that's the biggest thing. You put in the work you do during the season and the off season. You do what you know 
has made you successful in the yeah. past. And even if you don't get the results, you can look yourself in the mirror at the end of the night and say, hey, I did everything that I could. Yeah. I'm going to do it again tomorrow. So being able to answer the bell and being able to be consistent in the game of baseball, that's the hardest thing. Yeah. Like it stinks to be the guy that is standing there on the mound at Wrigley as they start playing that Go Cubs Go uh, song. You know, when they walk yeah. you off, oh, yeah. that sucks. It's a bad feeling. <laughs> You got to be ready the next day. Short term, the next, yeah, the next opportunity yeah. might be there. And oftentimes, managers, just yeah. like a, any manager in any business, will likely put you right back into that situation again to see how you react to it. Yeah. Are you ready for it? And I always wanted to be ready. Yeah. My ADD's kicking in, so my, I'm bouncing between your playing days God, and perfect. your, and I your do that booth. Too. Okay, good. Uh, I, I made me think. You told me a story one time. I thought it was hilarious. Your Scott Rowland story. I think you probably know where I'm going. There's a lot of Scott Rowland stories, and you were fortunate enough, I think, to go to the Hall of Fame thing, right? Out I there. didn't go to it. I oh, was, you did? I was okay. working, uh, okay. working the games, uh, but I know what but story you know you're talking, talking about. about yeah. So. The, well, I let's be honest. I helped Scott get to the Hall of Fame. All those rockets <laughs> that I gave up down the line that he made these highlight plays on. No, it was an absolute honor to uh, be teammates with Scott Rowland, and when I. When I got called up to the big leagues, it was 2005. It was a little over a month, I think, into the season. And I still remember walking in Bush Stadium. And it was, you know, Bush 2, older stadium. Yeah. I remember the doors opening like it's a movie scene. Albert Pujols is walking this way. Matt Morris, Scott Rowland, Reggie Sanders. Like, guys, just like legends. Yes. I mean, it was it was. I was like a kid. I was like yeah. a little, literally like a kid. I was 23 <laughs> years old, baby face. They they barely let me in the stadium. They had to get somebody come in. Nobody Who believed. The hell me. is this? Yeah, kid? nobody believed that I actually played. They laughed at me. But uh, the Scott Rowland story is when I did make my major league debut. It was Mother's Day 2005, and I remember jogging in from the bullpen. And I think I made the mistake of looking around, even though they say you should soak up the moment. Yeah. Sometimes maybe you should be laser focused. I yeah. don't know, but I. I did this one. I started looking around. Oh, my God. I mean, packed. 48,000, yeah, 50,000 people. Yeah. And surrounding you, too. You yeah. know the, the difference in the yeah. stadium. It was loud, and it was all the way around you. And I get in. I throw my warm-up pitches. Last pitch I throw to, it was Yachty. Throw it to Yachty. He throws it down. They throw it around the horn. Yeah. And your third baseman comes creeping in. <laughs> He's getting, the last guy to receive the ball. Third baseman, obviously, the Hall of Famer, Scott Rowland. He has the ball, and he's holding it in his hand. And he looks at me. He looks around like I did earlier. He's like, hey, your parents make it in town? I go, no, they're not here yet, Mr. Roland. They'll be here next <laughs> Mr. week. Roland. I, think I, I think I'm Mr. Roland. Him. <laughs> he goes, hey, a lot of people here, huh? Well, good luck. And he flicks the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, okay. Okay, Mr. That's Roland. Awesome. It was, that is awesome. But like, good luck, kid. Yeah, have fun. Let's see yeah. what you do with it. And uh, it was it, it was. A really fun experience, obviously, to make a major league yeah. debut is so memorable with that. And it's also uh, really nice to know you have a safety net like that over at third base mm -hmm. where anything that you hit that way, you never had to look at the left side of the infield because yeah. him or David Eckstein was going to pick it up and yeah. you were going to be good to go. And on the right side, you got Pujols at first. Yeah, you were going to be good yeah. to go. Second baseman was... We bounced, that was kind of, bounced yeah. around that year. I, I had, uh, I think, had some. Well, Belliard late. Yeah. No, the Belliard was late. No six. Uh, Grizzlonic was oh, there yeah. in two thousand and five. So bounced Gosh. around a little bit on that side of the infield. What a, what a had, team, though. Had Jim Edmonds in center field. Yeah. Like, just hit it. Go just ahead hit and hit it. it. Try it. Just Anywhere don't walk anybody. Yeah. yeah, don't walk anybody. Exactly. You'll be good. So, how do you prepare for a game now? Like, what's what's that like for you? Yeah, a lot of it is like we were talking about before is. One of my first things that I do is I prepare like I was pitching against the opposing lineup. 
So okay. I'll dig in. I'll, I'll look at the tendencies yeah. and all of that stuff. I'll look at their last couple of weeks of what they've done and uh, all the heat zones and all, all that good stuff. Then you're obviously looking at your starters arsenal for the day. But uh, I'll dig into bullpens, who's been who's thrown a lot lately, who's likely going to be down, try to manage my way through games mm-hmm. like a manager would. Turns out I don't make some of the same moves right. as other managers yeah. because I'm not I don't think as fast yeah. as some of these guys do. Um, but that's that's part of the preparation, just watching. And it's it's a lot easier doing the games the more you do. So the, the yeah. reps that I got this past year. It was it was easier to do the job because you're around these guys every day. You're watching them every day. When you're in and out, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. You feel like not that you're not watching at home, but it's different when you yeah. got your family running around. You're cooking dinner and uh, like everybody watching games, you miss certain parts sure. of it. But the repetition part of it just makes it big. And, and that's one of the other things. When I'm around, I want to be around the players. They're the yeah. story. Like what you're, it's not about me. It's not about what I did. It's not about Chip and I's banter back and forth. It's about what are these guys doing? What are they going through? What are they working on? And that is a lot of the preparation is in being around these guys and yeah. getting that information. And I think too, that prep shows, and obviously you love what you do. And I think I know about you the same thing. You take lots of notes, you prepare. That's important, and that comes across on the microphone too, right? But I, I talked to Chip Carey. He was on the podcast, not to keep name-dropping podcast guests, but uh, he said you were one of the biggest uh, helpers, like biggest helps for him to embrace being in the St. Louis Cardinals, right? You got a new guy. You're replacing a guy that's 24 years everybody loved. That was tough, but he said that about you. So what was that relationship like for you and Chip? And then I came into the booth with you uh, at spring training yeah. this year, and it would have been nice to know that he's like 6'6". Six, six. Oh, he's I, enormous. I had no idea. He yeah, stood I, up. I'm like, oh, okay. I feel like I'm hanging out with Fred Bird again, <laughs> exactly, too. Yeah, except right. for Chip talks a lot more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so what's that like for you, you guys' relationship? Yeah, it, it it was really amazing how quickly things clicked, like between him and I. And, and I, hopefully that's something that really comes out on air uh, really close, really fast. Now, had the good opportunity to meet Chip over the years, last couple of times. Okay. Um, and, and you know how close I am with, with Danny Mack. Yeah. Love him to death. And yep. Dan was one of my biggest advocates of doing more games and helping me and, and really, really mentored me through through a lot of things. And I know that there are going to be a lot of big things to come for Danny Mack as well. But they made the change, and I don't think that you could have picked anybody better than, yeah. than Chip Carey. If you were going to make that change, uh, the personality is fantastic. His energy, his love of life, and like that's easy to feed yeah, off of. Right. So when you have a couple of guys that have that sort of energy, I don't care if you're down ten nothing in the first inning. Uh, you're a fan. Do you yeah. want to listen to a couple of guys just beating a dead horse no. early on and negative and down in the dumps? No. Like at least I don't. No. I, I, and maybe some some fans do. And I do get that. I, I get the pushback of you're too positive. You don't say anything bad. Like. Maybe, maybe to a certain extent. Much I, hear that. I, but I'd rather just be happy, yeah, too, right. instead of. And again, I'll talk about the bad things that are there. I'll spin them positive yeah. somehow or another because I want this to be entertaining. I don't want you to tune into a ball game. It's down. You're down five runs and you just go, oh, I want to watch Jeopardy. Yeah. Don't forget that. Yeah. Stay here. Yeah. We'll have some fun. These guys are going to put on a show for you and let's entertain. Like at the end of the day, it's still an entertainment business. Like I mentioned. The players, the coaches, that's your product. That's what we're watching and that's what we're propping Mm -hmm. up. But our job in between all of that is keep you engaged, keep you loving the game, keep you loving the Cardinals, wanting to come back. And I want to build that relationship. One of the biggest compliments that I can get is when I meet people, I said, man, 
I, I love listening to you guys. I would just love to have a beer with you. Like I want to build that relationship <laughs> right. where I'm like right. part of your your evening. Well, you're in everybody's home. house yeah, every which night. Which is creepy. Yeah, yes. really creepy. When I, when I talk to kids, I say, hey, I'm the voice that puts you to bed at night. Yeah. Like, that's like, not wrong. I mean, that's what Mike Shannon was, right? Joe Buck, like, I, I want to be part of that. And yeah. it's, it's fun to be part of such a, a legacy like that. And certainly we have so many great people that work around it. You look at the, the radio side of, of things with John Rooney and Ricky yeah. Horton and Mike Claiborne. They do such a fantastic job. Yeah, Chip is great to work with. Jim Edmonds is every time I listen to Jim, I learn something about yeah. baseball. He's yeah. just got an incredible baseball mind. The entire crew that works over there is 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 great. Al Raboski has helped me out a ton. I've got that's one of the biggest things that I've been so pleased with and just honestly really impressed by is how that whole group has embraced me. New guy coming yeah. in. It's a competitive industry. There's only so many of these yeah, jobs. Taking Brett. a lot of the. There's yeah. only so many reps that are out there, and uh, you know, specifically talking about analyst guys, Rick Horton and Al Raboski have like been my biggest helpers ever. Yeah. Like if I have a question about something, I can call them up. They they help me out, give me advice. It's been which how cool is that to think about huge. their character? Because I mean that you're taking games or reps as you say away from For them, sure, right? And it's like here they are still helping you. Do you think but, that's Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, that's, but that's baseball. Yeah. Like that is, that is the mindset or at least the mindset of the great ones is yeah. I am going to, I'm trying to pass this along. I'm trying to pass this along. Yes. I, I want to do this as long as I can I'm talking about for at a baseball level. I want to do it at the highest level and I'm trying to, to keep my at-bats, keep my innings. But I also know that someone helped me get here. Yeah. And I want to help this guy get to that spot. And then that guy is going to help the next guy. Yeah. And that's something we've been so blessed with in the Cardinal organization is they've passed these things down. And you've passed down what it means to be a Cardinal and, yeah. and what it means to put on that jersey. Those things don't happen if you don't have players yeah. helping each other. And I, that's actually what I was going to go with. Wearing the birds in the bat as a player now wearing quote unquote wearing the birds in the bat as an announcer so you, you, you work suits. for suits that'd be a nice oh, suit nice suit, bird, yeah, yeah we'll get those custom made somebody will be listening to custom suit guy get brad a suit with I custom like bats on it um what was i saying the cardinal organization so obviously you, you don't necessarily work for the cardinals i think that's okay to say that right yeah you work for valleys not, yes. yeah you're an employee of valleys yep. but yeah how much does the cardinal organization run through valleys deep into you guys and all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's a partnership. Uh, obviously, uh, and I, I don't even know what the logistics of it are, but I believe yeah. that the you know Cardinals are are in on ownership of that too. Like they have okay. bought, they, they bought into that. Um, but I, I feel like they're, they work together. They, that's kind of how the crew is. I know that the Cardinals have a say of who is on their airwaves and okay. who's talking about their games. And uh, I'm, I'm so happy that I've been able to carve out a niche and, and have the relationships that I have with you know with people within the organization not like just like i did as a player every time that i'm doing a game now as a broadcaster i'm trying to keep my job like i'm, right. I'm trying i'm trying right. to get like i want to get better every day and I, I want to learn more and more and i also realize someone's always coming for this job right so i want to put my best foot forward every single yeah. day and just continue to try to stay in everybody's good graces yeah. and, and uh, do as best of a job as i can what's been the most memorable uh baseball moment for you as an announcer man that's hard there there have been so many good ones especially in the last couple of years yeah. i mean you you had uh being able to be on the call two years ago as we knew the future of yachty 
and mm -hmm. Albert. You knew that they were going to retire. Didn't know at the time the future of Adam Wainwright. Yeah. But those three walking uh, off the mound together. Chills, yeah. I mean, uh, it's just an unreal sight, a picture that you'll see yep. forever in Cardinal history. That is a, a big one. Uh, Albert Pujols hitting number 703, like the final one, yeah. was a big one, too, in Pittsburgh. Now, I would say 699 and 700. Mm. But, you know. I literally thought about you that night. We were in my Apple basement. TV. We had people over on Apple TV. I'm like, <laughs> wow. that sucks for Really, TV, Albert? Man. Both right. of them? Couldn't take really? the night off? Ah, oh, that hurt. So that's that's one. Yeah. And maybe I'll change this story. It's like yeah. one of those fishing stories. Yeah. You know, like the I fish was will get there. bigger and bigger. <laughs> yes, because I was in L.A. We were doing I'd the say, games. Yeah, because you I did was, it the I night before. Did the night before. Did it the night yeah. after, Brad. Uh, but, yeah, I was watching that one on my iPad in my hotel room. Right. And they asked me, say, hey, you, do you want to take it for the game? I said, no, I'm, I'm going to games every day. I don't yeah. need a ticket for this right. game. What's it going right. to hit, hit two? Could possibly no, happen tonight. In a couple of years, though, that story will be like, yeah, and he hit the home run. And then do you remember him? going back and giving the high five yeah. that was me yeah i was it there it wasn't beltray it was me right, right, right that was funny speaking of beltron uh you said beltray i think you said yeah i think Bel adrian yeah, beltray yeah. but beltron, beltron yeah. what was that moment like i mean he was a cardinal killer right oh, yeah and 2006 in lcs two men on i think cardinals were up what three to one mm. bottom of the ninth tight I mean, I remember like it was yesterday watching that game. What was that like, obviously, being there and having a uniform on? The uh, the NLCS, and specifically that Game 7, is far more memorable than the World Series to me. Yeah. And I think that for anybody that was yep. in it um, and viewing it, like yep. that was – you go to a Game 7, you have so many ups and downs throughout it. You still remember the Andy Chavez robbed home run of Scott Rowland where it's like, where did that come right. from? Like uh, Tyler Johnson, left-handed reliever, yep. and myself were right behind. Like you see, yeah. you see Chavez's arm. We're right behind that wall in the bullpen. Like, no, no, I was going to catch that. Yeah, and give it to Scotty. yes. Uh, but that uh, that place was so loud. Shea was loud. Have you ever been to Shea Stadium? No, had you been not. there? No. So it was crazy loud old school speakers in center field the apple would pop up i'm telling you the place would sway like you wow. could see it swaying it was just an energy there it was new york like yeah. it was new york passionate sports fans in the biggest moments and then adam wainwright the rookie Kid. comes in and does that and i know you've heard adam talk about him and yachty going through that he starts him out with a change up which is a pitch that he never throws like it just it just had the yachty's yep. like hey this is the this is the pitch do it and then set everything else up what well, changed his whole career probably right i mean of you think course. one the confidence but number two the the confidence to listen to a guy tells me in this moment to throw a pitch it's not my best pitch that i'm not the best at right yeah but throw it trust it and he did it and then holy crap yeah well that's and, and remember too that was I mean, what two years into Yachty's yeah. career? It wasn't yeah, so like he was six, the, he came up in. Yeah, he wasn't the KG right? vet. Right. Yeah, oh four. Yeah, oh four was his first year. Yeah, well, he wasn't like the KG veteran right. at the time, but you already knew you knew what he was, and yeah. you knew the preparation that was there. And Adam had that trust in him, and also had the trust in his abilities. Yeah. So if that's what you believe is going to be right, let's do it. And I'm sure that if he felt yeah. it in his hand and he was like, mm, this isn't it, he wouldn't have done it, yeah. you know, but he, he trusted in, in Yachty. He made the pitch and then obviously made the pitch with the biggest breaking ball uh, of his career. Where Uncle Charlie was probably oh, calling. Sure was. I mean, but I, I think you bring up a great point. Like what if, what if that went a different direction, right? Yeah. What, what if it, 
Beltron hit it out of the ballpark. Now, I still believe that Adam Wainwright, uh, a man of conviction, a man of, uh, he, yeah. he's not going to, he's been knocked down plenty in his career. Yeah. I still believe that he would have carved himself out quite a career, yeah. but what a way to start it. Oh. You you do that, and then you transition into starting Cardinal Hall. Well, you transit, one, you years. weren't even the closer. Izzy was the closer. Yes. Right? Well, he was, and then Izzy got hurt, and then That's he had to I'm take saying. over. Yeah. yeah. So he had to learn that on the fly. And yeah. again, you want to talk about mentorship. You want to talk about a guy that was going through probably one of the lower times, injured, hip, everything was was yeah. banged up for, for Jason Isringhausen, who is he, one of my biggest mentors as a player and one of the best people I've been around. Yep. But he, he helped – mentor adam wayne right through that what it's like at the back end of games what to expect the highs the lows like all of that that's a hard thing to learn when you are when you're like a middle relief guy you have a safety net your team could come back and you know you gave up three but who cares like well we won like you do that as a closer you lose and then you're you're the goat and not the good one and then you got to come back the next day and you have to have the right mindset i think that was a learned mindset it's also adam wainwright just has that something special he's just just built that way of course um but having that mentor early i think helped him as well yeah so talk about the adrenaline of that you know i'm one of these guys that i watch sports and man i feel the moment like you know i just would dream about walking into that stadium or walking onto that court or making that putt whatever it is i feel the adrenaline at a much different level obviously but you can feel it so for you having the adrenaline man you know phone rings they call it up brad you're coming in games online right you're coming in you're walking out of that fence you got to run to the bullpen or run to the pitcher's mound like that adrenaline explain that adrenaline and how hard was that to know that you'll i mean you'll probably never feel that adrenaline again yeah look aside from the camaraderie and Thankfully, in the job that I have, I get that. I yeah. still get that around the ballpark, hanging out with the guys. Like our, yeah. the broadcast crew is our own team. We yeah. all hang out. Everybody on the road go out, and so it, it. So I get the camaraderie part of it still. The adrenaline aspect, I have not been able to find that yeah. in life. Like I don't you know can. what that is. And I, you brought up the perfect example of the phone rings. Yeah. Like Pavlov's dog. It's like, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And then it's you. It's like, boom, get up, start throwing. Oh, it's such a, it's such an amazing feeling. It's such an exciting feeling. And everything just starts beating a little faster, yeah. right? But it's it's still controlled. Yeah. But it is energetic. It's exciting. And I like, there are things in my life that I'm excited about. There are plenty of things sure. in my life that I'm passionate about. There are not too many things that I have found. And maybe that's your next big idea, Brett. You right. find that, find that adrenaline how factor. Yeah. How do, you, how do you get that going? But I do miss that. I, I miss that, that energy of going in and then that feeling. And, and honestly, even, even the bad days, right? It's, it's a different feeling. Like you yeah. went out there and you gave everything that you had in what we all know is a game, right? Yep. There are bigger things that are going on sure. in the world, but in your world right there, just like anybody that is going to their job, that's your world. That's a big deal. Others might not look at it as a big deal, but to you it is. And it should be when you put everything out there on the line and you just let the chips fall where they may, like that's a freeing feeling yeah. when you have that. That's it's, it's incredible. Um, see i'm trying to think the next question i wanted to ask here so so how did you uh well you talked about the camaraderie uh how do you how do you stay a student of the game with what you're doing now and you've kind of touched on that i guess yeah continually watching stuff yeah you have to you have to keep watching and you have to be willing to change too you know i mentioned earlier some of the the data and the analytics and i'm sure that a lot of 
baseball fans, and especially in St. Louis, you, you've got an old school baseball fan. Right. You have got, you know, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Ozzie Smith, like, legends. yes, legends. And, and like, that's the style of baseball that you like is throwback and old school. Things have changed. Okay. It's, it's three true outcomes. It's home runs, strikeouts, and walks. It's missing bats as a pitcher. It is velocity. It's spin rates. It's exit velocity. It's all of these different things. And I can't be, again, talk about a job is to grow the game. Mm -hmm. I can't sit there and be like, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't matter. It does matter. Right. Like, and it does mean something. These evaluators are evaluating off of some of these things. Yep. Scouts are scouting off of some of these things. Guys are getting paid off of a lot of these different power numbers that are out there. It means something yeah. to a lot of these different guys. So one of my biggest things that I try to do is, uh, even if it's something I'll read on the surface first or, or see a new stat come out, like that seems stupid. Let me dig into it at least. Yeah. Like let me let Be me open minded. Exactly. Let me continue yeah. to learn about this. Or let me figure out a way where I can feed it to a viewer or somebody just passing by. Say, hey, you know, what does this mean? Say let me make it make sense to them and make it matter to yeah. them where it, it matters to people in like the analytics community. Yeah. But um, I try to keep up as much as I can with all of the other teams in baseball. I get home, I'm watching MLB Network like every <laughs> other baseball fan uh, because a lot like playing. Henry's um, like, turn that crap off. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I have to go in the basement. I go home, <laughs> exactly. I go right in the basement. Um, but a lot like playing, I can't just go home after a game. I don't care how long no. the game was. I can't just go to sleep. There has to be that unwinding period yeah. because that's as close as I get to the adrenaline now that we were just talking about that in my ear, right in the headset, three, two, one, live. And like, yeah. boom, so, okay, here we go. Like, this is yeah. real. Brad, don't say any bad words. Yeah. Uh, be, <laughs> pay, that's the nice thing about a podcast. Attention. You can cuss. Yes, you want, that's right? great. I don't want to get used to it here, though. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then do it. Uh, do Why do you get fired? Well, well, uh, Brad said. Yeah. 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 Um, Talk about the pitch clock. Did that change the game this year? It did. It, it it did. And being an old school baseball person, I hated the idea. Yeah. Hated the concept of it. I liked being able to be that high horse guy, Brett, where it was like, well, we're the only game that doesn't have a clock. Oh, yeah. yeah we're not. No, we're so, not. Damn it. But from... And this isn't just a broadcaster standpoint. Look, I get a half hour back every night, it seems like. True. Uh, so that part of it is nice. But I really do believe the game wasn't meant to take three hours every night. Right. We have slowed things down. And a lot of it has been the information slows it down. Mm -hmm. Like it, a lot of that takes time. And the evolution of the utilization of bullpens where it's matchups in the six, yeah, seven, eight, three pitches nine. and they do it again. Yeah, exactly. And obviously that rule changed too, yep. at least with the three batter minimum a couple of years ago. So that sped things up. But I really don't, there's no reason to be out there and hold the ball for 30 seconds. Yeah. Like there's not. Now, I don't like the limited pickoffs. I don't, I don't yeah. enjoy that. I think that you should be able to do that 10 times in a row if you yeah. want to. I also believe that the pitcher should be granted a timeout just like the hitter is granted ah. a timeout. I feel like that should be a thing. A great point. It just doesn't make sense, yeah. right? Should Instead of it in? being, I, well, I put it in Rob Manfred's uh, little, his box out there, the suggestion box. We'll see <laughs> We'll see how that goes. I think a lot of pitchers have been beating that yeah. drum. But that, I think that's something that might end up happening at some point. But I do think that the that's pitch clock – it did a good job of speeding things up. And I really do believe, and I don't know if there's actually hard data to back this up. I'm sure there is because there's data for everything now. It's, I think that it has affected the hitters as much, if not yeah. more than the pitchers. 
you have a lot of hitters that take their sweet time getting into the box, Redoing adjusting the gloves, their batting yeah. glove 50 times. Skip Schumacher, manager of the year. Congratulations <laughs> to him. But there are guys, and Skip would do it fast, all right? Skip yeah. would be in the box, do it fast. But there are some guys that would take such a long time doing stuff like that. There's no need for it. Yeah. Get in the box, get ready to hit. Get on the mound, get ready to throw the ball. Now, uh, the the only one that, I, again, I'm not sure I love is the pickoffs. And I think that one of the biggest weapons that a pitcher has, and again, I understand why baseball is doing it. They want to speed up the game, but they also want to add more excitement. Stolen bases yeah. are exciting. One of the biggest weapons that you have, though, with runners on base is your ability to hold the baseball. So if you are there yeah. and you got a burner at first base, if you can just hold the ball and a few seconds feels like an eternity for yeah. a base dealer that's ready to move, that can slow them down. Yeah. Now you have a countdown. So that makes but then it a the next bit, time you go quicker. So you can't yeah. get in with yes, your cadence. for sure. Yeah, for sure. So that changes a little bit, but you still have 20 seconds. Now they're talking about bringing that down to 18 oh, with, wow. with runners on. You still have the ability to do it. You just have to mix it up yeah. a little more. You know what uh, drives me nuts? I don't know why it drives me. I'm like the old man Brett getting mad at these ahead, young Brett. baseball players. Is when they pull, you know, they go to their back pocket and they're pulling the card out. I mean, I understand what they're doing, but I'm like, at what point do we not? Let's just We're learn a professional it. athlete, and we got to put some work in, and it's not some guy handing me a card and says, okay, when this guy's up, then you're going to stand here. Like, like I, I just miss the gut feeling and doing what you think you should do. That's part of the game. Yeah, and um, I, I agree with that. And I think there are a few things. I think that we get so caught up in he's supposed to do this that when he does the other yeah. thing, we're not ready. Yeah. So letting those instincts, letting that athleticism take over, yeah. I think is important. It just goes back to where is the fine line? I think that if you are, if you're neglecting the data and all of the things that have happened, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. If you're just going fully on gut instinct, you're doing it wrong. Where's that middle ground? Where, where can we find that where we yeah. still allow the athleticism? We give you the prior knowledge of tendencies, but you know that anything yeah. could happen. Um, so I, I, I like that part of it because our athletes now in the game of baseball, they're bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic than yeah. they ever have been before. We're not seeing it. We don't see that athleticism mm. anymore. Yeah. And I think that that was part of the idea of limiting the shift is having more rangy athletes is not having a second baseman standing in right field when a guy hits an absolute missile right. that was used to be a hit well just about ruin matt yeah. carpenter's career oh, for sure you know I mean, for sure so again i don't know if i like that either the yeah. limiting of the show i go back and forth because like in my brain i say evolve right evolve as yep. a hitter yep they're all standing over there. Hit it over here. Well, that's and, what I don't understand. Is I'm like, for Carpenter, I'd be yelling at the TV like that stupid fan. I'm like, if they're all over there, just slap that thing down the line and so, fix it. A couple of things, right? A couple of things that go into it. And it, it harkens back to when I said it looks easy from up here yeah. when I'm watching oh, absolutely. a game. So, I couldn't even stand in the batter's box. I'd be <laughs> yeah. scared to death. But. A lot of times they say, hey, just hit a ground ball the other way. Well, the pitcher knows what your tendency is, yeah. that, you, that you're a pull hitter. They're going to pitch you to it. You're going to get a lot of cutters in. You're going to get a, like, they're going to let yeah. you hit it that they're way on the ground. It's very difficult when somebody's trying to get in your kitchen to hit it the other way. And then the, the other part of it, Brett, is monetarily. Monetarily, you don't get paid to hit 300. And it sucks to mm. say, but you these guys get paid for doubles and homers. And wow, doubles and homers aren't coming slapping the ball the other way. So 
this is this is next level. This is Rob Manfred and company better get together with like Elon Musk or something. Right. Uh, but like, how do we incentivize the game where that does get you paid? Where it's it's oh, the ground good. ball to the right side to get the guy over. That's a quantifiable stat. Like winning baseball. Winning baseball should be the goal all the time. Yeah. Realize that people have uh, you, you have a small window to go out there and make your money yep. and you get it again. It's strikeouts uh, for pitchers, it's home runs, it's doubles, but man, there are times in the game where I need a ground ball to that one side yeah. where I need that sacrifice fly. I feel like there has got to be a way to encompass that more into winning baseball for everybody and, you know, have a pool of money for, for that or the guy that hits the single and hits 300 yeah. or, you know, whatever, uh, I feel like we're losing our complete baseball players. And it's not the fact that these guys can't do it. Like, that's the right. frustrating part. It's just the fact that the game doesn't benefit them doing it. Yeah, that. that's a good point. That's a good point. So do we talk about the uh, Otani deal? I mean, do we do we dare I go mean, there? I mean, I should have played better. That's one of the <laughs> one of the first things I mean, that I man. think about. Well, you should have been a right fielder as well as a pitcher. You think so? That's what you, and that's talented. You and yeah. uh, yes, no, that, those all would have yeah. been good. Seven-year, $70 million deal with, what was it, 68 per deferred? Yeah, that's, so here's my, my question. And yeah, you're you, the maybe, financial guy. Right, and, and so here's what I don't understand. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. I, and I haven't read it anywhere to see if it's out there. So – if I'm the fan, let me go on my soapbox for a minute. If I'm the fan, that's just great for the net. Is it seven years or 10 years, whatever it is? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, 10 years. Yeah, 10, 10 years, years, 700 million. 700 million. Um, I'm excited for the next 10 years, yeah. assuming he stays healthy. But what about the 11th year, right? So now the guy's getting paid $68 million. To not play for to you. To not play for you. They, they talked about Bobby Bonilla, uh, like his deal, right, with the Mets. Yeah. Remember that one? Yep. Still getting paid, I think. But point is, is now I'm paying $68 million. So, number one, I don't know if I like that as a fan. But number two, the, as the financial guy, Otani, is I'd rather have my $70 million today because my fear would be what if what if they're not around? Obviously, the Dodgers probably aren't going anywhere. But yeah. That's what you got to think about, right? What if they're not there? So, I don't know if they buy an insurance policy on that, but – He's putting a lot of trust in the Los Angeles Dodgers to uh, to pay me pay me in ten years. Oh, Brad, I didn't even think about that. That's why I have guys like you. That's right. That think exactly. about things like this. So uh, one of the ways, I guess, that he is able to do this, not that it, like you want your money and you want to be able to utilize it and want to be able to grow it. I guess one of the ways that he's doing it, they say he makes at least over $50 million a year off the field. So that helps. Okay. I said uh, know that. To yeah. be able to do that. I figured he wasn't going broke. No, but chances <laughs> are. I think I was, I was looking at this the other day. I think that uh, with the the $2 million that he's technically making, mm -hmm. as you and I were talking before the podcast, though, yeah. like it'll, it'll cost more or it'll look like more, yeah. at least when they do the luxury tax or whatever. But for the $2 million that he's making, I think he's like the 10th or 11th highest paid player on the Dodgers right now. Like yeah. that's, it's, it's kind of a, a silly yeah. figure that is out there. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how this shakes out at the end of it. I don't know how it works out for him, but I do know it allows the Dodgers, a team yeah. with a lot of financial flexibility, anyhow, obviously, to be able to sign a deal like this. At some point, you're going to have to pay the piper. Yeah. Uh, but it also allows them to go out there and add more pieces. You know, they already made the trade. They brought in Glass now, yeah. and they signed him to an extension. Apparently, they're still in on Yamamoto, oh, yeah. which is crazy. And who knows? By the time somebody watches this, maybe Yamamoto has signed. Right. He's met with a few different teams. Don't believe the Cardinals are one of them at uh, this point. Maybe. Maybe they maybe are. Mystery team. We'll right. go with that. Mystery team. 
But uh, it's if you are able to structure a deal like that, it sure does provide your team Hell some flexibility. Yeah. And I yeah. wonder, I wonder, like, what doors is this going to uh, like or this Pandora's box? Yeah. Like doing well, I think the advertiser million. dollars they are going to be able to get. They'll from, pay for that. Yeah, they'll pay for That's that. That's why money. I mean, unfortunately, an Atani can't. Well, I guess he can. But to come to St. Louis is going to be hard versus you got to be in L.A. or New York for that amount of money. You would think you would you think would, so. Yeah, right? you would think so. So uh, I'm I'm interested to see it. Like I, I'm looking forward to. You think about that lineup. You think about three guys. You got three Hall of Famers in a row. You got well, you got Mookie Betts, Shohei yeah, Otani, right. and Freddie Freeman. Stop. It's incredible. Yeah. You know who's going to be calling his game? Who's that? Brad Thompson. That'll be fun. I mean, right? Hope I get the Dodgers series. Did isn't that who we open it against? Oh yeah, in L.A. Right in the beginning. I mean, BT Shohei in the big time. city. Because he he'll be. Yeah, he's back. He just has to DH next year. Just right? gonna DH. But he'll yeah. be he'll be so, ready for opening day. Real quick, yeah, and he will be. Uh, that's one of the. That's another thing you want to think about this investment. That just tells you off the field they're gonna make all their money. Yeah. They're they're gonna be fine. You have a yeah. lot of smart people crunching the numbers over there uh, with the Dodgers. What, what if he doesn't pitch again? I know he's had two elbow surgeries. Oh, I didn't he's know had he had Tommy two. John, yeah. and then he's had whatever this last one was, which I think that they've kept close to the vest. Mm. Obviously, the Dodgers have to know exactly yeah. what he had. That's a lot. That is an enormous risk, but it just tells you the unicorn that Shohei Otani is, that even with the murkiness of the future, maybe to them it's not murky at all. I just think two surgeries, one area is a little scary when you're investing like that. Like that is, that is a lot to be thrown out there. Well, I think the rehab, I mean, you know that from experience, right? I mean, the rehab to come back to that, who knows what's going to happen with the arm. It's scary, man. So uh, last question for you, Brad, is uh, you think about your amazing, well, now I got two questions for you. Uh, One of them is about your kids. What, what What do they think? You know, obviously Dylan playing baseball and stuff now, I'm sure your daughter pays attention to that stuff. And what do they think about dad uh, you know, doing what you're doing now. Yeah, they uh, they're finally at the point where I think that they understand yeah. what what it is that I do. And uh, as as I mentioned earlier, my son was born tail end uh, of my career. wasn't yeah. in the big leagues anymore, so he never got to see that. He, okay. he never uh, my my kids never got to come to the field with me and and go yeah. play on the field like stuff that I I got right. to see all these other guys do. Yeah, where I was like, look at these old guys and their kids. <laughs> right. I, my kids never got to do that. Yeah. that. Like, what a great thing it is for all these yeah. these kids that get to kind of grow up in, in a clubhouse. Well, I they kind of get a little bit of that now with me doing what I do. They can come up to the booth yeah. and kind of see see what that is like. Uh, but I hope they think it's cool. There there are downsides to it, right? Like any other job. Yeah. We were talking about youth baseball earlier. Unfortunately, you know, the youth baseball season, which like if perfect world you know if i weren't doing that i'd be coaching all the time yeah. like that's it i'd be i'd have a youth academy and yeah. be, be doing all of that um i miss a lot i miss a lot of the kids stuff during the summer and that that part of it is, is very difficult uh and that's why this time now in the off season is so great to be home and be able to pour in a lot more but I, I think that they like it but i'll be honest with you i think the biggest thing that they get a kick out of is that i know fred bird that's it like that <laughs> and fred you do your show fred right? bird's my end yeah i got the cardinals kids tv right. show that's my end that's awesome and th- that last question i was going to talk about is obviously the community is very important to you and you and your uh, amazing wife you guys do awesome stuff for our, for our community here in st louis but when, when you think about legacy i mean what do you what do you got the thompson family to be known for and uh, what's important about that to you? Yeah, man, it's a, it's a great question. No, honestly, I, I'm not sure how much I've actually thought about legacy. Like I, I thought about down the road. Uh, but I know this. I, I don't ever want to be the person that is is walking up and you're like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Or, or like I, I want to be somebody that, that leaves uh, when 
somebody thinks about me or what I do, like they smile yeah. like, and uh, they, I want to bring excitement. I want to bring happiness and I, I want to be able to give back. And I think that that is important, yeah. Brett. And I know that's something that you and your wife do a ton of in, in our community. And uh, it's something that I would love to just build something more than the right here, the right now, the, the this game. And, you know, that's kind of a, a process. But I think it's also a great example. You've got, a, you know, a young family who are learning how important that is, that it's more so than just the, the I am doing this right now. It's like, no, what what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing as a, as a community, as a, as a people? So uh, I'd like to continue to grow that. But I think that any way that you know i can help in the community i like to do yeah. i like to to be around and i like to just be a part of things and it's special being here being a part of a community you know, st louis and the greater st louis area is uh it's big but it's small like right. it, it feels like a family and it's it's nice to be a part of it looking for the date exactly i should know that um but speaking of stuff for the community for those listening february 10th put that on your calendar the the KC Hall at O'Fallon, Illinois, Rock for Hope. Our, oh, uh, nice. Swing for Hope charity. We've got a band, uh, the Nashville All-Stars is what we're calling them. Okay. It's like big country music people. It's like their guitar player, their drummer, their whatever. Yes. When they're not traveling with their main people, they come together. And so they're coming here from Nashville, Tennessee on uh, February 10th uh, at the KC Hall. We're going to raise some money. We're going to kick cancer's ass and listen to an amazing Love band. So how maybe long? you'll see Brad Thompson there. Oh, no doubt. If I'm in town, I'm there. You're there. Uh, how long have you guys been going with Swing Pro? Since 2007. It's been amazing, it's man. It's a long time. It's, it is a long time. And so, you know, my the story, my mom's uh, my mom's mom and her grandma and two of her aunts were all diagnosed with cancer at the same time within about a six or seven month period. And and uh, so that, that was a lot. And so we were driving and thinking, what are we going to do about this? And so we started our charity. And so with amazing people in the community, I you know, look out the windows here. I mean, we couldn't do what we do without the people on our, our board and people like you that show up to events. It's just, it's awesome, man. So thanks for asking. But it's uh, this is about Brad Thompson. Um, 2024 season, what are we predicting? Uh, more wins. Yeah, more, more wins. wins. That's no, where we're no, going look, hey, look, the Cardinals, uh, they, they made some additions. And I know a lot of people joking around. It's like, man, yeah. they got older. Yeah. They got better is, yeah. is what they did. They did. And at, at this point, three additions to your rotation. Sonny Gray being the headliner, who I think is a fantastic pick. I you get a three-year deal for Sonny Gray, a guy that knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, I think that he's going to be great. Second in the Cy Young voting last year. Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson add certainty in the middle of your yeah. rotation. And especially Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson adds leadership for sure. But uh, Lance Lynn adds an element that you didn't have. Somebody that a little porcupine, mm -hmm. a little bristle yeah. uh, in there that will push back. And I think that's a, an okay, important good. thing to have in a clubhouse. And so I, I know that he's going to add that. Yeah. You picked up a couple of bullpen arms, uh, one in a trade with Boston, other in the Rule 5 draft. I, I don't believe that they're done yet when it comes to the pen. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see the young guys. I want to see year two of Jordan Walker. Yeah. Can't wait to watch Mason win man shortstop for a full season. The kid is So he'll just, start? They already said that? I, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Like, that's the plan, at least. Yeah that he'll be the guy uh, so uh, i'm good. looking forward to that goldie and arenado uh, another year with those yeah. guys like everything is right there for the cardinals to compete and hopefully win the central other yeah. teams have been pretty quiet in the central i don't yeah. expect the cubs to stay quiet the entire time other than hiring craig council away from yeah. uh, the milwaukee brewers which, which is, is crazy it your own division crazy. isn't it yeah well especially how much money they paid him right yeah. gave him a, a 40 million dollar deal over five years pretty impressive so you would believe that they're not done adding to it. 
but I think that they should be competing for the division this year. Yeah. And I know Cardinal fans like hate to hear it because they, they want to talk about building what the Dodgers built, right? Yeah. Go out and just spend all, all of this money. But it is very true. And I think the Dodgers can tell you this too, as they don't win the World Series every time mm-hmm. they get there. Get into the postseason. Get yourself and specifically win your division. Win your division. And you never know what's going to happen when you get into October. So that's the hope this year, that we have a deep run into October. I think you got the right pieces to do. And I also know that you have the right prospect capital. If you get close to the trade deadline, you believe that you're a piece Mm -hmm. short that John Mosellock, Michael Gersh, they can go out and make a deal like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Where do our listeners find more of Brad Thompson? Right here on this podcast is where you find out. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, hopefully be doing a lot more games on on Valley Sports, uh, doing a lot of fill in work on 101 ESPN. As you know, I've scaled back, but I can't stay all the way right. out. You know, Andrea doesn't want me home no. all the time, no, Brad. No, I got to no. be able to get out of the house. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, you hear me popping up uh, a little bit more here this awesome, new year. Man. Thanks so much for being on the Circuit of Success. I awesome having you. Yeah. I think I think you might be the only three time guest because you were. I looked at this last really? night. We did this in April. I started this February 6, 2017. You were on in April of 2017. I looked, so our kids would have been like three. The, wow. My fourth and your oldest would have been three. And then we did, uh, which was a blast for me. Hopefully it was fun for you all. Me, you, Jason Isringhausen, uh, Kyle McClellan, Jason Simon Tachi, and Brian Jordan. That was a the, fun one. That was awesome. We were all at home. Remember that? It was yeah, supposed to be opening one. day supposed to be opening day for the cardinals and we had an amazing uh, i don't know hour and a half two hour deal so that was awesome so brother thank you for being with us again it's awesome having you thank you for having me it's honor three times